Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitzed podcast for what is probably one of our most important episodes of the year. Um, it's the episode that's going to lead us to the playoffs. So at this point, you should have playoff seedings taken care of, and this should be the first week of the playoffs. Harley, what can you tell me about playoffs? Playoffs? What are you, what are you talking about playoffs? Playoffs. No, uh, unscripted, unscripted, and just like I thought you would take, it, take the bait and run with it. <laughs> uh, realistically... It's you got here with certain players performing for you. Now, unless you're the king of streaming at every single position, which I know if you listen to us from a daily fantasy standpoint, at least you might have some insight on streaming at some positions. But unless you are very, very good at streaming throughout the year, you got here with a basic lineup that was your players that really kind of led led you to victory most every week. I, I think we might even have a term for players like that. I, what, what do you call them? Uh, studs? I think that's a good way to describe it, yeah. So maybe one of the segments we'll talk about will be um, playoff lineups and always start your studs, parentheses, well, I think that, question uh, mark. Uh, that's become a very strong statement uh, this year. And I think over the last couple of weeks, we've started to see some people, at least on the Twitter sphere, start to question that statement. I think rightfully so, depending on circumstances. Everything needs context. Everything needs context. Um, so we are. We're going to have that's going to be one of our segments that we're going to get into later. Of course, we will have our DFS. Um, Thanksgiving. How'd you make out, Harley? <laughs> Thanksgiving was a very thankful day. Uh, for those that are watching uh, watching us on Twitter, uh, I played in the 5K Superflex tournament at Fanball.com. It's the tournament that I won two weeks ago. And on Thanksgiving Day, I won it for the second time in three sets. Nice. So that was a very, very good day. Uh, came back this past Sunday, entered the Sunday version of the tournament, and... Didn't do as hot, at least not at the start of the day. I thought I was pretty much going to be locked out of the money in that particular tournament, despite entering six lineups into it. But thanks to some late heroics from James White, Julian Edelman, and Tom Brady in the Sunday night game, I managed to move up into 37th in that tournament out of uh, just over 1,200 people. Also ended up taking home a couple seconds with that lineup, too, which was kind of nice. There you go. Not but it was another... Uh, roughly 2k winning day for me so that's not a bad day to be thankful for uh, on a week of thanksgiving exactly it paid for the turkey yeah that's that's about where i'm at i i had a lot of turkey how's that <laughs> like the browns and the eagles a lot of turkey uh, and the jets this past weekend too 
Yeah, they, they well, but the Jets, never mind. I'm not going to bash the Jets. Um, I did see something funny on Twitter, though, this morning, I think it was. Somebody said that the Patriots are the only team, I think it was Darren Ravel or however you say his last name, um, where the Patriots are the only team that has, that owns two planes. Um, and because of the flu that was going around, they actually put all the sick guys on one plane and the healthy guys on another. And then somebody responded to that. I don't remember who did the response, but it said, if you count the Jets, they actually own three. <laughs> well, uh, for the, our fans who might be Comedy Central fans, uh, the episode of South Park this week had a huge leaning towards uh, towards talking about Tom Brady and his uh, his health. So, if you if you enjoy South Park uh, and you haven't seen it, this week's episode, I certainly won't spoil it for you. But check it out. It's uh, it's about some of the uh, the health and diet issues associated with Tom Brady. Okay. I have a feeling that that is not going to be in this week's news, but I want to know what's going to be in this week's news. So I'm just going to go ahead and cut us off and throw it right on over to Harley Schultz for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Gardner Minshew took over at halftime Sunday for struggling starter Nick Foles. Minshew immediately led the team on an inspired comeback attempt that still fell just short of victory. Following the game, coach Doug Maroney immediately named Minshew the starter for next week. So, it has come to this. Nick Foles has fallen all the way from Super Bowl MVP to riding behind the riding the pine behind Uncle Rico and his gorgeous mustache. This morning, the Detroit Lions placed rookie tight end TJ Hawkinson on IR, ending his season. As a Hawkinson fantasy owner, I did a double take when I heard this news. Because frankly, I thought that the team had placed him on IR way back in week two. (laughs) The Cincinnati Bengals have announced that they'll be getting their star wide receiver back from injury this week. No, I'm not talking about A.J. Green. I'm talking about their best wide receiver. John Ross. The Indianapolis Colts lost another wide receiver to injury this week as Chester Rogers was placed on IR. With several other parts of the Colts passing offense also dealing with injuries, the team announced that this week their starting wide receiver core will feature Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Jerome Payton, and Austin Cauley. And finally, I have signed a one-week contract to play tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. With the matchup against the Arizona Cardinals, I expect to be chalk on DraftKings. This has been your VPN News Update. I'd have you in my lineup. <laughs> so, it's Arizona. It, it's, it's, it's getting hilarious. Every week, people are on Twitter. It's like, oh, d- the process isn't real. Don't, don't, don't start your tight end against them. It won't happen. And then just... It happens. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I thought for sure you might throw in a Brandon Stokely in that Colts receiver group, but I guess not. Uh, I, I had to get Austin Colley in there at least. Yeah, I got you. One of the best dog name receivers ever for them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, all right, so. I had forgotten that Jerome Payton played for them. Yeah, that's right. He did. Um <clears throat> I think I had him on, on one of my teams a few years ago. He was, what, back in the Dallas? Um, oh, my God. Why can't I remember his last name? What was his name? 
the tight end. Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark. Back in the Dallas Clark days, I think Payton was there during. Yeah, Edron James, Dallas Clark. Uh, who else was there around then? Mar- Mar- <laughs> Marvin Harrison won me a few um, fantasy championships. Let me say that. Marvin Harrison remains one of the greatest uh, wide receivers in history and certainly one of, the, one of the best offensive weapons that Indianapolis Colts have ever seen. Uh, he also makes a great before and after trivia game question where yeah. you bring up the question, former Colts receiver, followed by the actor who played Indiana Jones, you would have Marvin Harrison Ford. Gotcha. See that? Exactly. Yeah. So I can tell you, I remember way back when, when in the first round, I, actually I can't tell you who I remember drafting first or second, but I was late in the draft and my first pick and second pick was Marvin Harris and Randy Moss way back in, I think, 2003. And I do remember, I don't remember the order, but my running backs were, I ran three straight. People thought I was crazy. How did you draft two running two wide receivers and you're not drafting any running backs, right, back then? And then I, I drafted Tiki Barber, Work Done, and Charlie Garner, I think, were my three running backs that I, I drafted. So now I'm five rounds in with no first or second round running back and no quarterback. People thought I was nuts, and I wound up just blowing the league away. <laughs> So, that must have been Tiki Barber's one season of success, right? He had a few years of, of fantasy success. Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, when he wasn't being I, I remember he had one really huge season. Yes, he and did. And then one of my home leagues, uh, one of the longest-running members of the league, decided to invest his first-round pick on Tiki Barber, and he proceeded to... Yeah, but just a complete dud. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I've got to pull it up now because you want me – I want to know. Let's see what he did, and then we'll get right into our um, first segment. How's that? Sounds good. Um, so Tiki Barber in 2002 ran for 1,387 yards with 11 touchdowns and chipped in – 69 receptions for almost for 597 yards, no touchdowns. So 2003, 1,216 yards. He only had two touchdowns, unfortunately. 69 catches for 461 yards with one touchdown. And then 1,518 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. And then 52 receptions for 578 yards. So now he's got 1,860 rushing yards in 2005 with nine touchdowns and 530 yards receiving and, 20, and then two touchdowns. And then his final year, he actually went out kind of on top, 1,662 yards rushing, five touchdowns, 465 yards receiving. So, yeah, he had himself from 2002 through six. He had five very good fantasy years. Well, here's a question. If uh, you played in an IDP league, and you drafted Tiki Barber, did you also get Rondé's points? <laughs> no, and Rondé wasn't that good of a fantasy player, unfortunately. <laughs> people didn't throw at him. Although, he, actually, he was in your big play leagues because he did get a lot of big plays. See, we still like to talk about IDP on here once in a while. Every, every now and then, right? So let's exactly. see. So <clears throat> positionally, 2002, he ranked as, this is based on pro football reference, the eighth-ranked running back. 2003, 13, then 2004 was second, fourth, and seventh in 2006. So he had, you know, four out of five years were top 10, and the one that wasn't was just outside the top 12 at 13. So pretty well, solid. I, think I remember one of those seasons, uh, he was kind of thunder and lightning with Brandon Jacobs, and he 
caught a lot of passes, got a lot of yardage, but they yeah. kept putting Jacobs in at the goal line. Yeah, and they also had the other lightning, Ron Dane. I mean, the other thunder, Ron Dane. Yes. I think that it was probably Ron Dane earlier in his career and then Jacobs later in his career. Actually, I was looking for a Jacobs gif, or is it jif? I don't know. They can say, okay, boomer to me if they want. But I was looking for a gif of where Jacobs trucked Laurent <coughs> Landry to post in reference to, I guess there was a play this weekend, I think it was in a Michigan game or just a college game in general where a guy got his helmet knocked off, and that was the first play that I thought of. Well, you can just put a put a repeat loop gif of the play where Matt Ryan gets completely trucked this weekend. That would work. Okay, it would. All right, so let's get to it. Um, if you're in the playoffs – this is when people tend to tense up a little bit, right? You got there and you don't want to make a mistake. You look at it and you analyze it and you overanalyze it and you, you switch your lineup how many different times before you actually get to run with it, right? The way mm-hmm. I see it, there are very, very few changes that you need to make to a lineup more than likely if you're in the playoffs. But you have to know when you need to take a risk or not. That's the biggest part of it. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree, yes, uh, 100%. So if you know that you're a huge underdog, then you got to take huge risks. Don't play it safe. Playing it safe and scoring, you know, a nice little tidy 100 points or however your league goes and you get blown out by 140, it doesn't make a difference if you lost by 60 because none of your guys hit. So go big or go home in a sense like that. But you also have to know when you're the favorite and you don't need to take risks. Um, but one of the things we're going to talk about are some, some matchups. Um, and that's how I, I look at it and I assess it. We talked about it earlier this year, I think, with the whole aim, assess, investigate, and then manage the process type thing, right? Yes. But there are certain factors I look at. One is weather, okay? Snow doesn't bother me that much. Rain doesn't bother me that much. Wind bothers me, right? We saw that this we weekend. We saw that this past weekend with Pat Mahomes and yep. the, that game there. It looked, I mean, he ended up with an okay line, but it was not Pat Mahomes-esque. And the biggest factor was that his passes, which normally would seem right on target, yep. were being whipped around all over the place. So, yeah, so that's, that's the part I look at from a weather standpoint. Otherwise, I don't let weather impact my decision unless it might be for a league that I have a kicker in. Then maybe, but look, didn't hurt in Baltimore this weekend. Um, but still. So well, wh- Justin, Justin Tucker's inhuman. inhuman. Yes, I know. He's got a little bit of Adrian Peterson <coughs> in him, I think. Um, so that's what, I, from a weather standpoint, that's all I'm really looking at. And I'm not making it, I'm not letting it make my decision. I'm letting it, if I'm deciding between player A and B, and I'm like, I don't know, it's a coin flip, then I might let weather change my mind, right? Yeah, but, but well, you also have to kind of think about, are these players accustomed to or comfortable in weather? Right. You got a guy like Tom Brady or a guy like Aaron Rodgers who play in, play, have played considerably in just horrible, horrible weather conditions. And, and Mr. Uh, Rodgers proved it this past weekend against the Giants. I think a lot of teams on Sunday morning, one of the most common questions were, sh- should we bench uh, members of the Packers offense because the, there's going to be this horrible weather uh, with this Giants game? And uh, ultimately it, it was a non-factor because Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, all, all those guys from the Packers, 
this is what they're used to. They, they've yeah. played several games in this type of weather condition over their careers, so they know what to expect and how to deal with the weather conditions. And, and as an example, now these guys are at home, so it won't matter this week, but like if you had the Falcons, who I think this year play a total of two or three games outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. If for some reason they were going to New England or Green Bay and it was going to be you know six degrees with a negative five wind chill, then I might have to think about, well, they're not used to playing out in those kind of elements type thing. But for the most part, you're right. You've got to understand who's used to being there and not being there. Um, so, you know, well, I think a thing to look at with weather, too, uh, not so much making, letting weather itself make the decision for you. Consider what the weather may do to game script. Yes. Because you might have a situation where game script might increase in a weather condition for a running back. It might decrease uh, throws to the outside, deep passes, whereas it might also improve then pass quality to running backs, pass quality to pass catching running backs, pass catching tight ends, uh, and and use those factors to your advantage. Yep, exactly. Um, So this week there's a few hard decisions for owners of certain quarterbacks. Now, you know I'm of the mindset that for the most part your quarterback's not going to matter. But if you own a Patrick Mahomes and a, and a Lamar Jackson, you don't want to sit those guys. So there are four of them that have pretty tough matchups, two of them having even tougher matchups. That's Mahomes going on the road to New England and Lamar Jackson going on the road to Buffalo, as well as Deshaun Watson at home against Denver, and then Russell Wilson against the Rams in, we'll call it Seattle South. How's that? Yeah. Well, and when you look at those sort of things, that's one of the wonderful things about Daily Fantasy is you can choose to not play those guys in Daily Fantasy this week if you are concerned about those matchups being tough. But if you're in your regular league's first-round playoffs, you don't got that. You, you don't get the chance to like say, okay, well, I'm just not going to play him this week. No, if, if Lamar Jackson's your quarterback, unless you happen to get really, really lucky and get him late and have a better quarterback two who was you drafted as your quarterback one originally and you didn't trade him at this point which is kind of silly but you, these guys are not going to be benched from your team for the most part because they again you don't have another option that's going to produce or that has the ceiling that any of them has now what you can look at is say well perhaps because of the matchup they don't have as high of a ceiling. And this kind of gets down to what you're saying yep. about know, what, know where you are. If, if you're going to be in a situation where you need a potential ceiling, then maybe you have to think about possibly alternating for them. But if you're just looking for a high floor, all those guys have a high floor on any given week. And Deshaun Watson proved that last week against the Patriots in a, in a game that, uh, for all accounts, I, I wanted nothing to do with Watson. I actually had to start him in a couple leagues because he was – well, the super flex, so it's like the you have to start a quarterback in super flex. But uh, you're not excited to play him, certainly. Right. So, I mean, what it comes down to is if you own Lamar Jackson, the one thing that you understand with him is at least he's going to add some yards with his feet. But I think that'll even be a little bit limited this week. So you have to have, like, a decent option to plug in otherwise. I mean, I'm not plugging in a Daniel Jones on the road on Monday night against the Eagles. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to plug in Kyle Allen. Do you feel comfortable plugging Jacoby Brissett in against Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay's got lit, they've gotten lit up 
for the most part this year, except this past week, um, when it comes to quarterbacks and wide receivers. So that's where you kind of just have to say, you know what, I might take my lower floor this week knowing that the upside is still going to be better than you get from anybody else. Exactly. And I think the quarterback position is one of the key positions for that. Yeah. Uh, again, even if you are in a, I was going to say even if you are, if you are in a super flex situation, then you you can't even think twice about it. You still have to play the quarterback even if the matchup isn't great. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in some super flex leagues, including Scott Fishbowl this year, where there's been a week where I had to start Ryan Finley. Yeah. And, and that's pretty. and that's because of injuries and buys. But now if you have Ryan Finley and Patrick Mahomes, you're not starting Ryan Finley this year, this week. That's not. Well, not I hope not. The Cincinnati that. Bengals aren't even starting Ryan Finley. Well, this let's week. just say that Andy pulls up lame in practice and they say, oh, we're going back to Finley. You're not doing it. Right. Nope. So not just, at all. Just you don't. But now let's go over to running back. That's a different story because Alvin Kamara has a very difficult matchup this week. He's facing a San Francisco run defense that aside from a three-week blip, weeks eight through ten, where they gave up some big yardage and a couple touchdowns, the rest of the season they've been absolutely elite. And Kamara, two weeks ago, we, we put him on our list of players that we liked as, as, as pay-to-plays because it looked like he had reabsorbed the lion's share of the touches in New Orleans. It looked like uh, going forward, game script would be all his again. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, we get uh, Sean Payton starting the game with Latavius Murray at running back. It's like, what the? <laughs> yeah. And again, it comes with context, right? So if I can afford to not start Alvin Kamara this week, I probably won't do it. I don't like the matchup. I don't like the upside that he's shown of late. He's failing to get in the end zone. I just think that maybe there's something wrong with him that they're not telling us. But I'm also not starting a um, Duke Johnson, a Duke Johnson over him, or even maybe a Carlos Hyde over him, or a Tariq Cohen over him. So you've got to have Williams. Uh, yeah. So you've got to have a better option either at a flex spot that you can plug in for him, or you're going to have to live and die by the sword. But all I'm saying is, don't just go. It's Kamara. He's a starter. You have to look at it. You have to look at it. And I think what what you're looking at too with that is that uh, again. If you have Kamara, he's been a starter for you with, with the exception of the weeks where he was out injured. You, you're probably, e- even if you don't love the matchup, you're probably still playing him. But just remember that this week, Kamara may produce running back two numbers. So when you think about that and you're building the rest of your lineup, you want to make sure that whoever your other running back is, that's going to be in your lap, assuming you can start two running backs, you want to make sure that that other running back has the potential to produce running back one numbers. That's kind of like they can trade places for one week, lesser than completely taking him out of your lineup. So at running back, other than Kamara, I don't see any guys that really stick out at me as like, you know, say Quan Barkley's got a tough matchup against the Eagles. Um, but, and he has, he's been underwhelming this year because the offense has been a little bit underwhelming, honestly, and then the injury didn't help him. So again, same process with him. Other than that, none of them really stick out at me as saying, oh, my God, you, got a better, you better go find your running back three and dust the dust off of him because you need to use him this week. Um, but at wide receiver, 
I think that you could truly and honestly make a case for looking at sitting. And remember, wide receiver is one of the deepest positions in fantasy, right? So you can find a serviceable wide receiver on the waiver wire even usually this time of year. But I think a case can be made for looking at possibly sitting two of the top guys in the league in Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill. You definitely can make that argument. And I think a lot for Tyreek Hill is going to come down to what New England's game plan is. Right. Now, for Tyreek Hill's first two career games against the New England Patriots, he finished with over 130 yards in both those games. He had three total touchdowns between those two games. And then there was the playoffs last year where the Patriots decided, okay, we've had enough of this. We're going to shut down Tyreek Hill. In that game, they devoted so much attention to him that the Chiefs basically kept it close by throwing the ball to everyone but him. And uh, in the end, it actually still, I mean, it wasn't a good game for Tyreek. He still had three catches for 40-some yards. So it wasn't like it was a complete shutout for them. But Stephon Gilmore is a very good cornerback, uh, arguably the best in football. Uh, we saw last week that premium wide receivers can still do stuff against him. You're just not going to get huge production. So again, when I look at Tyree Kill, uh, it, it really all is going to come down to whether or not the Patriots attempt to take him away this game, or, or they attempt to take away Travis Kelsey. Uh, and if either or both of those is the case, then for the Chiefs to win, they're going to have to win by throwing the ball to Demarcus Robinson, throwing the ball to uh, McCole Hardman, throwing the ball to Sean McCoy out of the backfield. Yes. Um, so Thomas doesn't have as bad a matchup. I mean, believe it or not, over the last three weeks, the Niners are like middle of the pack in points allowed to fantasy wide receivers. But again, you have to at least understand his ceiling. If you need a big game, his ceiling is severely limited this week. Um, as far well, and okay. and realistically, uh, the big thing that they have working against him, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the DFS segment today, because uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, well, it looks like a, a, a questionable matchup. I think you mentioned that there's been some big, bigger games recently. Wide receiver ones have really struggled against San Francisco, though. And when you look at the case of New Orleans, there's he's the wide receiver one. Yep. He's also the wide receiver two. You could argue he's also the wide receiver three. three yes. So, yes, he may not get wide receiver one numbers this week. But he'll definitely give you a wide receiver two numbers because he's going to get those targets too. That is true. You can look at it that way. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I think that if I have a solid four, I might be looking at playing them over Tyree Kill this week. Thomas, I'd be hell-bent to, to get him out of my lineup. Tyree Kill, Just because of the share of targets, it's really hard to pull Thomas yeah, out. Exactly. But, hey, look, Tyreek's line this week could be what he had this past week, and that'd be – a very nice ceiling against Stefan Gilmore. Well, and again, if, for whatever reason, if Hill gets a chance, we I get a feeling that, again, assuming weather conditions aren't an issue in Foxborough, if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I kind of saw the blueprint for attacking that defense in how Deshaun Watson led the offense there. And basically, Watson was not afraid to throw the ball against them. He threw several passes to both uh, Will Fuller and to DeAndre Hopkins in that game. Uh, I think Fuller's got a similar uh, 
skill set in terms of the speed and downfield ability. Uh, Fuller should have had a touchdown. <laughs> Actually would have helped me a lot in some of my redraft leagues this year. He should have had a touchdown in the uh, second half there that was called back because uh, he bobbled it a little bit as he's going out of the back of the end zone. But uh, I, I like Hill to score this week. I, I think that there's going to be enough explosibility in this game that Hill's going to put up a okay. three or four catch, uh, 70 yards. Uh, most of those yards will come on one long catch for a touchdown. But again, that's normally you don't want to hope or you don't want to hinge your playoff hopes on one long catch for a touchdown. Playing guys like Ted Ginn is great in daily fantasy. Right. It's not great when your championship's on the line. Tyreek Hill is not Ted Ginn. Tyreek Hill has the ability to have multiple 30 to 40-yard long catches in a game. That is true. Um, what about Stefan Diggs um, against the Lions? But, you know, does he get the Darius Slay tra- treatment? What do you, what do well, you see there? Cause... So all you have to do is look back a couple weeks to the previous meeting between the Lions and the Vikings. Uh, in that game, Adam Thielen played for about one series. On that series, he caught a short touchdown pass. In that game, Slay had basically lined up opposite Thielen for that first series. Now, Thielen is not back playing tonight. This is Monday Night Football against Seattle where we're watching right now. He's not playing tonight. He was supposed to be back tonight, but he had a setback to his hamstring injury. Now, we're all hoping here in Minnesota, at least, that he is back ready to go next week. But if he isn't, then, I mean, you're looking at Stefan Diggs here. It's not, not an unreasonable thought to think that Diggs will be covered by Darius Slay. But if you go back to that game again where Thielen got knocked out really, really early, when that happened, Slay switched his coverage over to Diggs for the most part, and Diggs posted 140-plus yards. So, again, if Thielen isn't out there, Kirk Cousins will still force the ball to Diggs. It might not be pretty, but he's not going to be covered by Slay the entire game, if, 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 even if Thielen is out there. So I like Diggs. I don't love Diggs. But then again, Diggs, again, same thing. Diggs is not a guy that carried your team into the playoffs. Diggs Diggs is the guy who, for most of the season, was a wide receiver two for most players. So you you have a lot easier time subbing in, say, a Devontae Parker against the Jets or a Zach Pascal against Tampa Bay. Guys in that range might feel a little bit more comfortable playing instead of Diggs if Thielen is out and you are concerned about the slay possible treatment there. Okay. I'll tell you what. I know we started off saying that we were going to talk about studs, but I just thought of somebody looking at some stuff here. And what do you do with Cortland Sutton this week? <laughs> I, I think I think you'd call him a stud. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do. So now do you play him this week because – he is facing a Texans team that over the past three weeks is given up the fewest amount of points to wide receivers. Uh, I, I didn't think he would do good last week, and he did absolutely great. Uh, yep. The guy's such a physical specimen. Um, I, I, I'm really sad I don't have any dynasty shares of Courtney, Cortland Sutton. And he's, um, on the, and he's on the road. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be an unpopular take. I do not play Cortland Sutton this week. Uh, I, 
again, if you have Cortland Sutton on your roster, he's not your wide receiver one. He's not your wide receiver two. He's been your wide receiver three most of the season. Right. So it's a little bit easier to flex away from him. But after that game last week, I I just don't think I could do it. Okay. I, I almost feel more confident starting <clears throat> starting him right now than, say, a guy like Diggs. Okay. I get it. So now let's talk about this. You you hinted at this guy in the news, but then didn't talk about him um, per se. But A.J. Green, what if he is back? How do you handle that? Can you start him? No. You, you can only <laughs> even, if, even if he's back, A, you don't know how much he cares. And how B, much of a snap count he's on. He's going to be on a snap count. C, you're also going to have Tyler Boyd. You're going to have Auden Tate. You're going to have Alex Erickson. You're going to have... Uh, John Ross back. It's not exactly setting up to be a. I mean, it's a good matchup certainly. You, but if, if, if good, if if you've got Green on your roster to this point, you're wasting a roster space. I'm sorry. Well, that is he's me. not coming back. That is me. I refuse to drop him. Um, I've kept him on IR basically all year. But here's what I'm going to tell you: If you're a 40 point underdog, yeah, start him it's worth a shot because you're probably going down anyway, right? So just on the off chance that if he's active and he plays and he scores, you know, five catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns, it's possible. I, what, what you got to do is you got to, if you're going to do that, <clears throat> go on Twitter and grab the meme of the dog sitting in the coffee shop while everything's burning around him. Yes. I think that pretty much sums up that situation. Okay, so now here's another guy that definitely will be in people's heads on if they should or shouldn't start him, and this one's going to be more, more difficult than A.J. Green. What do you do if Julio Jones is active? Great matchup. <laughs> great matchup, right? I mean, it was a great matchup a couple weeks ago, too. And, uh, right. Well, it, his final line was serviceable. It was not exactly awe-inspiring. So now he's got the same matchup that he failed to cash in on earlier. Um, the only difference will be location this time. Um, playing at home. And he's coming off the injury, so you don't know how he's going to respond. So is he somebody that you can sit? Because he's somebody you probably rode. To the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to play Julio and hope that he gets through the game. Uh, when you've got a guy like Julio coming off of an injury in the playoffs, you really have to watch the practice reports, uh, particularly on Thursday and Friday, because and I'm not sure Julio's is a soft tissue injury, correct? Yes. And that is always the biggest concern Yep. If you've got a player, particularly a wide receiver with a soft tissue injury, is early on in the game, a la Adam Thielen, he gets hurt, and all of a sudden he's just taken out of the game for safety precaution reasons. Well, one of the things that will be in his favor if he's able to get healthy and go is at least it's in Atlanta, so it's in a temperature-controlled temperature environment. You don't have to worry about it tightening up because it's cold out or something like that. Now, granted, I believe that Thielen got hurt when they were playing at home in the Dome, too. But it still, yep. it still takes away one of the parts of an equation that you, have, that you don't have to worry about. Yeah, it does to some degree. But again, you're, you're, you're playing him, I think, in this case, assuming that he gets through Thursday and Friday with a full practice. If he is even limited on Friday, you're probably starting him. But... If if he is if he practices less than limited on Friday, then I I just don't feel comfortable putting him out there again in what should be a good matchup. Yep. 
I think, uh, yeah, it's it's you're just going to have to pay attention, and you have to be you have to tune in on Twitter. Um, Friday after Friday's practice and that injury report will give you a rough idea, but you're going to have to tune in on Sunday, unfortunately. Now, there's one other wide receiver we talked a little bit about in our pre-show that we haven't gotten to yet that I, I kind of want to bring up here before we forget about him. Okay. That's DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. Now, Hopkins had a horrible matchup this past week against Stephon Gilmore, and he made the most of it. This coming week, he's going to be hosting Denver. Now, I, I think a lot of people will look at that and say, well, he's going to be shadowed by Chris Harris. You don't want anything to do with that. Now, here's something to look at, though. Over the last four weeks, number one wide receivers to face Denver yep. have all scored. And they've all had big lines. <laughs> and over the last four weeks, the Broncos actually ranked 10th in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So I think the moral of this story is, just because it looks like a bad matchup or you perceive it to be a bad matchup, you have to dig a little bit. And, I mean, I'm not, go- I'm not going to be overly exposed to him, but from a daily standpoint, if you want a sneaky contrarian play, put Hopkins in there this week. Okay. All right, so should we go over to tight end? Yes. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off this way. There are three guys that I think are clear, go with another option if you have them. But I'm going to tell you who the option is that you get to use instead of them, and you tell me if you're going to do it, okay? Okay. The player that you have on your bench is Nick Vanette. <laughs> against the Cardinals. Mark Andrews has a matchup against a Bills team that I believe over the last four weeks, let me pull it up to be safe here, has given up the fewest points allowed to fantasy tight ends. And I'm sorry, it's the second fewest. The Eagles have given up the fewest. I think if you go to three weeks out, then it becomes the Bills. Um, but in any, any event, it's not good. It's ugly, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have Andrews and you have Vanette, who are you playing? The only way I'm playing Nick Vanette this week is if Vance McDonald is ruled out. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> So are you going to play Andrews, or are you going to look for somebody else on the waiver wire? Uh, you know, this week I actually would probably look for someone else on the waiver wire because there's a lot of really juicy tight end matchups. I agree with you. So if you have Andrews, you've ridden him probably and, and happily have had him on your, in your starting lineup most weeks, if not all. This week, I don't think that he's going to be somebody that you can look to to help your team. Yeah, I think that Baltimore is going to do okay in this game, but what you're going to see is the scoring and the yardage coming both at the feet of Mark Ingram and also, of course, the quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson. And I easily can see this being a 17-14-13-10 type game. I don't see this being a lot of points. And again, it's in Buffalo, so this could be one where weather affects game script. And I mean, you don't have a lot of reception weapons for Baltimore to throw the ball to anyways. We might just see a game where both sides are grounding the ball with Frank Gore and Devin Singletary and Jackson and Ingram and possibly Justice Hill or Gus Edwards for yeah. Baltimore, too. And currently, it's projected to be 14-mile-an-hour wins in Buffalo on Sunday. Well, then make sure you start Justin Tucker because, well, cause you can't miss. Right. There you go. Um, so now this next guy is an easy one to bench because he's been out for a few weeks. and But if he's active... You're probably like, oh, yeah, I finally can have him back. I don't have to try and struggle and, 
and who am I using in, in his place? But Evan Ingram comes back and has a horrible matchup on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. And that's, this is magnified additionally from the fact that he's injured, right? And, yep. he, and he's playing Monday Night. So if something happens, you don't have many options that you can pivot to probably. Oh, God, I, I hope that if you did own Evan Ingram, you were wise enough to pick up Caden Smith a couple of weeks ago because that yeah. offense is kind of turning into a situation where it's more the scheme that matters than the uh, player. Now, I'm not saying that Caden Smith is Evan Ingram. I'm not even saying that Caden Smith is Rhett Ellison. All I'm saying is that the Giants are yeah. forced to throw the ball to the tight end a lot because, well, they've had golden tape both suspended and injured a lot this year. Uh, Sterling Shepard missed a lot of the season because of injury. Uh, there's there's other weapons there now, though. I mean, Shepard mm-hmm. is back healthy. Darius Slayton has developed into a good receiver. Saquon Barkley is certainly capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be Ingram anymore. If this was last year when they didn't have any active receivers, I mean, Beckham was hurt and Shepard was hurt and every pass had to go to Ingram, then, then you're starting him. But I mean, right now, for me, I don't even consider Ingram a must-start in a 12-team league this week, assuming he plays. I think that's your answer. Um, sadly, it is. Unless you're a huge, huge, huge underdog and you just go, I just need to go with the better player, hope that he just completely outplays what everybody thinks he can do. Otherwise, I'm definitely looking somewhere else than Ingram. I mean, if, if Ingram plays, the best you're hoping for is a floor game from him. Right. Okay, last guy, tough matchup, Jared Cook. Uh, he's had such a good comeback the last couple of weeks since Drew Brees has been back. Looked very, very good. San Francisco, though, is pretty much elite against everyone, including the tight end position. So, Yep, and over the I, past month, they've given up the fourth fewest points to tight ends. I, I, just, I look at it and think to myself again, there's so many other tight ends that either might be on the waiver wire or that you might have had as a backup during this period. Guys like Darren Fells. Yeah. against Denver. Uh, David Njoku should be back this week. They're going up against Cincinnati. Uh, Ryan Griffin gets Miami. Uh, so many good matchups. Hunter Henry versus Jacksonville. Yep. It, I just don't see a spot where you have to start Jared Cook this week. I agree. I think he's a hard pass this week. I mean, he also dropped, like, what, 16 touchdowns last week? So <laughs> you have to wonder, does Drew trust him enough to throw him the ball again in the end zone? But you know, that's that's just part of it. But no, I'm sitting him if I own him and I'm looking somewhere else because I think you can mine some value at tight end this week. Yeah, and again, it's kind of odd because a couple weeks ago we were talking about the, the barren wasteland that was tight end when Ryan Griffin and Jacob Holster were like two of the top options available. Yep. And now all of a sudden we've got just riches aplenty. And, and we may even get Austin Hooper back this week. Yep, and if he's back this week, I'm not starting him. But that's okay. <laughs> um all right, so that, hopefully that helps people at least understand how they should be looking at their lineup setting for the playoffs. And we'll do this again next week to look at any of the harder or more difficult matchups to decide what and what and how you should proceed with them. But right now, we're going to go where you don't have to play guys that have bad matchups, and that's to the DFS segment. And believe it or not, Harley and I thought that last segment would be a short one, and it wound up being a long one. So we might have to um, see what we can do to save some time here. But Harley, set the over-under. This is going to be a tough week because all the teams are playing with the exception of the Sunday night and Monday night football game. So yep. uh, there's a lot of players to choose from. I'm going to go with a low number. I'm going to say three. Oh, you stink, man. That's the number I had in my head. I'm going to take the under. 
<laughs> no, okay. you know what? You know what? No, no, no. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going over. Okay. I'm going over. All right. You ready to get out the gate matching on the first one? Uh, I don't think we will. You don't. Okay. I'm going to pay up for A.A. Ron. Okay, we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rogers proved last week that he could beat a bad team in bad weather. Well, this week he gets to face another bad team, also probably in bad weather. Yep. So I'm definitely going to start A-Rod. And then my stay away, it was easy to, to pick A-Rod because I just kept coming down the list. And the first two guys I don't like, so I wrote them both down. And my stay aways came down to Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Because they're both on the road, so I don't get the ding one more than the other. Jackson costs more right by a little bit on each site so that should yep. default me to him but the fact that he can make up a little bit with his legs has me leading to i'm going to stay away from patrick mahomes this week well i think the over is going to hit because that is also a match uh, i decided to stay away from pat mahomes uh new england just took a loss on natural television yep that's not going to sit well with Kraft and Belichick. Nope. You know, prior to last week, the Patriots had allowed four passing touchdowns over their complete first 11 games. Then Deshaun Watson hit the field, and he did pretty good. And again, I'm, I'm not saying Mahomes is going to have a bad game here. I actually think it's going to be a shootout. I think Mahomes will probably throw for about 303. Oh, I think he'll be lucky to do that. <clears throat> Which, again, if he does do that, that's kind of Mahomes' floor most weeks. That's his ceiling. But that's his ceiling this week. And, again, when I can get Aaron Rodgers for cheaper than that, and I think Rodgers is also going to have 303, it's very easy to see why I'm not going to pay up for Pat Mahomes. Here's how I see it. I can't speak to the New England offense, but I can speak to the New England defense. They're and, angry. and Right. So I don't know if New England's going to get a win because the offense has some issues. But this could wind up being a 13-7 type game or a 13-10 type game. And New England loses it. But guess what? That doesn't mean that Pat had a great game. So I thought it was easy to use him as my stay away. Well, and I think what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is that the one of the successes to succeeding against New England has been establishing a running game. Yep. And for the most part, Kansas City does everything but, possible uh, to not establish a running game. Yes. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays into into the mixed match between uh, the two teams there come Sunday. Okay. So my value play, I had one guy wrote him down. I started to cross him out, looked at another guy, said, nah, I'm going to cross him out. Then put another guy down as a note because I'm not going to use him as my value, but I thought I'd mention him anyway. So that guy's Tannehill. Um, and it came down to I wrote down Darnold first, and then I went to Brissett because he's playing at Tampa Bay, and we know Tampa Bay's almost been like um, you know, tight ends in Arizona. But – Tampa Bay played pretty well this past week. It did. So I think the Jets actually bounce back. They're going to be at home. I wish he was cheaper, um, but I have Darnold as my value play this week. I, I don't have a problem with that. I ultimately chose Tannehill myself at Oakland. Um, it, it's a little scary. Again, you've got a, a, not a West, not an East Coast team, but a team close to the East End yeah. traveling to the West Coast. So does that factor working against him? But over their last nine games, the only quarterback to not have multiple touchdowns against the Raiders was Ryan Finley. And I think that was the, game, the day I started him. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's a misconception of mine, but 
one of the things that I have in my head is that Tennessee seems to be very up and down, and they just had a big up. Um, and I'm going to try and pull up their schedule so I can see if I have any merit with that. But I just feel like I don't. I just think there's a letdown coming. Um, but no, they've scored 35, 42, and 31 points in each of their last three games. So maybe with Tannehill, they've been a little more more solid. Well, and I, I'll be the first one to say that I was wrong big time this year on Derrick Henry and the Tennessee offense. Now, certainly, I think Tannehill has saved the team a little bit, but I was all out on Tennessee's offense this year, and they've actually looked pretty darn good with Henry leading the load. Yeah, and I think that Miami shot their last pop in their pop gun, and I think that, seriously, coming into New York after that big win against the, the Eagles, I think that Darnold and company get it done. Okay. Well, it's not a match, although it was close. It was. That is true. It was close. All right, so how about we go over to the running back position now? Um, I think we're going to match here, too, on, on the first payup. And it's a guy that we're watching tonight who has scored once already. And let me see, did he score twice and I missed it? No, it he, was a defensive touchdown. It was. Oh, you know what? It was one of my defensive backs, I think. So that's a good touchdown um, in one of my IDP leagues. I'm going to pay up for Dalvin Cook. We do not match there. We do not match. Okay. Um, who are you paying up for then? Because I, I love well, Dalvin Cook's. He's expensive. He, yep. he is expensive. I, no, I like Delvin Cook's matchup, don't get me wrong. I think he's in for a big game against Detroit. But I, I decided to once again go with the top dog. Can't That's do Christian it. McCaffrey. I couldn't do it. I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at it. I just I couldn't do it. Well, let, let me break the stat up for you. So in his last three meetings against Atlanta, McCaffrey hasn't scored a touchdown. So was, that's kind of depressing. Yep. However, in those same three games, he has 508 total yards and 37 receptions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I mean, there's wide receivers that don't have 37 receptions in a season. He has 37 receptions in his last three games against Atlanta. <laughs> okay. You, you get me. You got me there. I just Atlanta's played some inspiring defense, and I just don't like the fact that Carolina looks like they're going the wrong way and they're on the road this week. So, but. I wish you luck. I just don't think you're going to get three times value for him. I, I will say this. If Carolina changes pace and decides they're going to start Will Greer instead of uh, Kyle Allen this week, I'll bench McCaffrey then. Okay. Although I think Cook's going to have a hard time getting the three times also because you got to look that he's got to approach 25 to 30 points. But I think it's possible. Um, I think my stay away was easy, especially considering I talked about him earlier. I don't know if you're on the same spot. But I'm staying away from Alvin Kamara this week. Yeah, we are. And uh, again, I t- talked about him a little bit too. Uh, San Francisco, uh, outside of weeks 8 through 10, they're allowing under 100 total yards per game to opposing backs. But outside of those three games, they haven't allowed a single running back touchdown all season outside of weeks 8, 9, and 10. Yeah, it's not a good matchup. And of course, because we are giving him the kibosh, he'll probably run for 140 yards with three touchdowns. But- well, here's the thing though. It, again, even if the Saints look good against San Francisco running the ball, which, again, is, is no guarantee because San Francisco stuff, he still will probably have to split the looks yep. with Latavius Murray. That is true. All right, I think we're going to nail the value play. I don't usually feel that way at the running back position, but I think we're going to nail the value play at running back. 
We nailed it last week with Geis. He had a big week. He did have a big week. And I had him written down, but I crossed him off because I don't trust Bill Callahan to give him enough touches. He should be giving him all the touches, right? Why is he giving touches to Adrian Peterson at this point? No, no one knows, to tell you the truth. So, no one knows at all. <laughs> so my play is a guy who has a fantastic matchup on paper. He's been underwhelming this year. I actually think he may have a lower ownership um, because of that. But I like Devontae Freeman as a value play this week. We match. How about that? I didn't know if we would match here or not. The Panthers have allowed multiple running back touchdowns in five of their last seven games. This including three games where they've given up three or more touchdowns to opposing running backs. Uh, based on his performance last week in his first game back, which was very ho-hum, ho- he's going to have very low ownership, even with the, the sweet matchup. Yep. Again, he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, I should say he didn't do a whole lot. Brian Hill didn't do a whole lot a couple weeks ago in the matchup against Carolina in what should have been a big play for him. But Devonta Freeman's a better running back than Brian Hill. Uh, and I yeah. think that I think you can you can play him this week. Nope, I agree. And he's he's priced a little higher, um, but I don't think he has problem getting to three times value. So I mean, you're talking fifteen to eighteen points is what you're looking for. Well, um, I, the one thing that Carolina is is been fairly bad at, in addition to giving up a lot of touchdowns to running backs, is they've had issues with running backs catching passes. And now in previous years. Devonta Freeman would miss some of those third down snaps uh, to Tevin Coleman out of the backfield to catch passes. This year, when he's been healthy, Freeman has caught some passes. And again, Hill's not a pass catcher. Kadri Allison's not a pass catcher. Uh, it, it's going to be him. Uh, I think Ito Smith did come back briefly last week. It, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but uh, we might see a little bit of him on third down. But for the most part, I think the offense is going to be Freeman's to, to play with. Yep. So, you know, you said Tevin Coleman. I had a problem because with Damian Williams being ruled out, I was using him as a running back three this week because I liked the matchup. I don't know why I did, but I did. Um, so instead I had to decide between Deontay Johnson or Jamison Crowder. And I put both of them in, and I left Raheem Moster on my bench. <laughs> I just I, I'm going to win the game, so it doesn't matter. Um, and it looks like I'm going to wrap up the sixth seed in that league, be the final playoff team, not based on record, but because of points. I'm the, I'll be the highest scoring team um, that did not get seeded by record. So that's something that people should look at also. Uh, reward your teams that score points. Yeah, going Crowder cost me some money in DFS this week. I, uh, I talked earlier about not winning the 5K this time out. Uh, the lineup that would have had a chance at doing that, I had Sam Darnold and Jamison Crowder in, and that wasn't the optimal lineup. I mean, I still had the other matchups all pretty good. But if I had taken those two out and put in a different wide receiver quarterback pair as my quarterback two, wide receiver three, probably would have uh, had a better shot at winning three out of four in that one. So, Okay. By the way, you overhit. So let's throw it on over to the wide receiver position. And we're going to match here too, I think. Um, I wrote down three names um, because I could not consider which one of the two I really should default to. I went with the third guy and also the higher price guy. But I looked at both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin because they have fantastic matchups this week. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I wound up saying, you know what? Devontae Adams at home against Washington – 
is if I'm going to pay up, that's where I'm going. Yeah, again, if we're going to stack, we're going to stack Rodgers with Adams here. Yep. Washington has given up several big games to opposition top wide receivers. Uh, since returning from injury, Devontae also has 10 or more targets in every game. He's added three scores over the last two weeks, so obviously he's starting to click with uh, Mr. Rodgers. But now one other thing to consider, he's not going to be my value play this week, but seriously give some thought to Alan Lazard in this game because Washington has not only been bad against wide receiver ones this year, they've been particularly bad against wide receiver twos. And Lazard has basically become the de facto wide receiver two there with the inconsistencies by Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Geronimo Ellison. So if you need kind of a deep, deep, sneaky sleeper, uh, wide receiver three flex type play this week. Consider Alan Lazard in what could be a blow up game for him too. This might be a bad week to say this, but you could have just stopped that. Washington has been bad this year. <laughs> so. I, I look it up, folks. I, I, again, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but wide receiver twos in particular okay. have just gone crazy against Washington. This so, year. so was Adams your pay up also? Adams is my pay up. Yes. Okay. So we're at five. We're killing it. All right, so step- and we're gonna make it six right here too. So I don't know about that because I maybe um, I already talked about both of the guys and I hinted at it, but Michael Thomas is somebody I'm not thrilled with, but Tyreek Hill is the guy I'm staying away from this week. Okay, we're not gonna make it six. I'm staying away from Michael Thomas. Uh, only two wide receiver ones have scored against this defense all year: Devontae Adams two weeks ago and Juju Smith-Schuster back in week two. In the other ten games. Opposing wide receiver ones are averaging three catches and 30 yards with zero scores. And that number, that's buoyed by a a game in week three when Tyler Boyd had 10 catches for 122 yards and no scores. If you take that one out of the equation, in the other nine games, opposing wide receiver ones are averaging 2.4 catches and 20 yards with zero scores. Okay. That's impressively bad. Well, any way you look at it, people should understand. Stay away from Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, um, I bet we match on the value play, and that's a tough one to match on. At uh, we're receiver. not going to match on this one. I don't think. We're not. Okay, uh, I'm I gonna... think we're going to match on Devonta Freeman though, either. So, well, I, and I said this guy's name earlier, so maybe not. But I'm going to say I like the matchup for Steelers wide receiver. I don't like the fact that he's still got a duck man throwing to him, but Deontay Johnson. I'm not going with him as my matchup, no. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was kind of deep. Who are you going with? Well, I'm also digging a little deep. Uh, I'm with Zach Pascal versus Tampa Bay. I looked at that. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at that. Uh, Tampa is awful against the pass, and Pascal is the only actual living, body-breathing wide receiver left on the Colts roster. Uh, so I looked on my fantasy league. Uh, the only other wide receivers to catch a pass for Indianapolis last week was undrafted four-year veteran Marcus Johnson. And with a name like Marcus Johnson, you know that's a fake name. That guy doesn't really exist. And then something called Ashton Doolin. He's an <laughs> undrafted rookie with a name that's actually weird enough that he might actually be real. I don't know. But Marcus Johnson doesn't exist. That's, I, I'm pretty sure that's a fake name. That's all part of why I decided not to go with Pascal, actually, because there's just nobody else there for them to focus on. Jack Doyle. <laughs> um, okay. Mo Ellie Cox. If that, there you go. You know I like Mo. All right, tight end. Let's wrap this up quick and easy. We're, we're approaching the hour mark, so we actually got back on track. Um, paying up, I thought it was relatively easy, but there's risk. 
um, because we know Belichick always wants to take somebody away, and it's deciding who's he going to take away. I think it's Hill, so that means I'll pay up for Kelsey. I don't mind that. That's not my pay up. And actually, I had four guys I considered paying up for this week, although only one of them is really paying up, I would say. Right. So the, the guy that I chose to pay up for, well, actually, I'll say the three guys who aren't really pay ups that I considered, and that's Hunter Henry at Jacksonville, Jack Doyle at Tampa Bay, and Vance McDonald against no defense. Um, those are three possibilities. Uh, but I ultimately did decide to pay up for a slightly higher guy, and that's Darren Waller versus Tennessee. Tennessee has struggled horribly against quality tight ends. Week one, David Nyoku had a big game against them and a touchdown. Eric Ebron scored in week two. Austin Hooper in week four scored a touchdown and had over 100 yards. Hunter Henry had a big game against them. Travis Kelsey had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Jack Doyle, 70 yards and a touchdown last week. Without Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller was targeted 10 times. He hauled in seven catches for over 100 yards last week. This is actually his eighth game with over 50 receiving yards this year. He's in a huge game, and his price is not ridiculous still, but it's, it's higher than most. Yep, okay. So you mentioned Njoku. I will say this. A couple of weeks ago when it became evident that Cleveland's going to activate him shortly, I picked him up in a league where I could put him on IR, not because I really need him or planned on starting him, but that way I didn't have to worry about anybody else picking him up and possibly starting him against me in the playoffs. <laughs> Okay, so my stay away is very apparent from what our conversation was earlier. I'm staying away from Mark Andrews this week. Don't want any part of him. Yeah, we, we're going to match there, and that's going to be the six. Um, Jason Witten just became only the second tight end to score against Buffalo this year, and that was on Thanksgiving when Jason Witten always scores. So Yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> well, only one tight end has topped 50 yards receiving against them. That was uh, one catch by Jonu Smith back in week four, went for 57 yards. No other tight end has topped 42 yards against them this year. So, Okay. So I know you think we're not going to match on the value play, but I think we are. Well, I've got two possibilities for value play, so you got two chances. Well, I wrote down three and then said no. I crossed out two of them, and the first one was Vance McDonald. Not that I don't think that he's a great play. It's just that I don't think he's a value because of his price. And then I wrote Vinette down. I went, no, I can't even do that. I'm sorry. Not going to do that. Um, but I'm going to a guy that is playing pretty well, and he has a fantastic matchup if you look at it. On paper the last month, maybe I can find it. I can tell you. Um, let's see. They rank. He's facing a team that's seventh over the past month in points allowed to fantasy tight ends, and that is Darren Fells. Uh, we don't match on that. I don't mind that play. And as a Darren Fells owner, I hope he has a big week. Okay. <coughs> uh, who are the other players you considered besides Van, Vance I told, and him? Vance and Vinette. They were it. That's what I that I crossed those guys out. Okay. Uh, so but the two players, the, the first one I considered and then laughingly said no was Jeremy Sprinkle at Green Bay. Yeah, I can't do that either. I, <laughs> I just looked at it. I didn't write it down. I agree with you. Over the last six games, opposing tight ends are averaging seven catches and 103 yards against Green Bay with five scores sprinkled in. Yeah. And, and Sprinkle is actually coming off a career high. He got 36 receiving yards last week. That's his career high. Yep. So. <laughs> I wanted to like a New England tight end, but I just I can't. 
was gonna say we don't get to posthumously play Rob Gronkowski, so that doesn't no, help. I, I don't. I can't play Watson. I can't say to play Lacoste. I really expected big things for Lacoste this year. That just didn't materialize due to injury. I think. So the value play I ultimately decided on is a guy who I think to be under owned because he hasn't done jack squat the last two weeks, and that's Janu Smith at Oakland. Only the Cardinals have allowed more tight end scores this year than Oakland. And again, well, Janu has done nothing the last two weeks. There's no Delaney Walker. The team, now, I know we talked about this a little bit in the pregame show. Uh, I think that they might have a little bit of issue with running against Oakland. I mean, Oakland has been a little bit loose against the running in the last couple weeks. But for the season, I think they're pretty solid against the run. And that's mainly because you don't have to run the ball against them because everyone throws like crazy against them. So we should see a fairly healthy dose from uh, the tight ends. That includes Anthony Ferkser there, too. So uh, Ferkser or John o. Smith could be a deep, deep dive sleeper value play this week. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our DFS plays for the week. Um, no double dipping this week like we had with Thanksgiving. Um, but we blew the over-under of three out of the water with six matches. That's pretty big this week, honestly. Uh, on a big slate, that's really, really big. Yep. So take it for what it's worth. That's either good news for everybody to follow our advice or all to say they agree that much, we're staying away. I don't know what it is. But if you have any questions in the interim, feel free to reach out to Harley on Twitter, at NuclearHarley. Reach out to me, at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, you can check out all of the stuff we have for you available at thehuddle.com. If you're not a member, go sign up. It will be worth it at least to help you get through the playoffs with all the other resources we have there. And as we like to say, until next week, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>